Would you give the band a hand for a wonderful job? We, we are not going to do a traditional offering tonight, but on your way out, there will be people at the doors, and we would encourage you to give the money we're going to give to Life Choices is our joint offering tonight, so I'll remind you that at the end of the service. Let's pray now for Dallas as he comes up to preach. God, thank you so much for a wonderful service we've already enjoyed, and God, I just pray your blessings on Dallas. God, speak through him. Fill him, God, use him now to minister to us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, God is good, isn't he? All right. So great to be here. Thank you, Pastor Chris. It's always confusing to me because I only knew one Pastor Chris my whole life. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's my dad who's pastor at South Parkway for uh, 34 years. And I took over, and he'll blame me for changing the name, but the truth is he wanted to change the name for a long time, and uh, I just finally pulled the trigger on it. And uh, So we're now LifeChurch.LA, but I'm glad to be here with y'all tonight. I always feel awkward in other people's houses. Does anybody else? Especially when uh, you have to take the mic in somebody else's house. But thank y'all for giving us the privilege to come over here and worship with y'all uh, tonight. I'm not sure what we volunteered for a few minutes ago. We were talking, and you said, isn't that right? And he said, uh-huh. And I said, what did he say? He said, I have no idea, but we're doing it. Oh, $10,000 gift. Okay. I... Yes. He's got the checkbook. Uh, but uh, I, I, was, I figured we were coming to work or something. I said, that's okay. I'll get them in a minute because we got a lot of carpet to rip up. So, uh We'll just, we'll, we'll let y'all know, First Baptist, y'all come help us rip up some carpet out of our auditorium and move some chairs. We're getting ready to do that, and I'm excited about that as well. But uh, I thought it was appropriate tonight, since it's the Thanksgiving season, to talk about gratitude. Somebody say gratitude. 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 The attitude of gratitude, because I know that our society today, I mean, it's just full of complaining. Wouldn't you guys agree? I mean, and to be honest, it's just more fun to complain. Can I be real for a minute? It feels good to complain sometimes. Venting. You ever heard of venting? Just letting it out. Uh, you know, the, the big debate going on with Chick-fil-A or Popeye's chicken sandwiches. And I could complain a lot right now. I still haven't had the Popeye's chicken sandwich. But since I'm talking about not complaining, I'm not going to complain. And I know that there's even a... Uh, there's even this thing, I'm not on there, but I hear there's this thing called Rustin Rants, where everybody just goes and vents. I don't know if First Baptist has ever made it on there. I'm sure uh, Life Church probably has before, but that's why I stay away, because, uh, you know, you get, you get sucked in, don't you? Anybody with me here this evening? The Baptists don't complain like we do. Is that, that's, that's what it is. So to open this up tonight, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 is where I want to go. And I, I was thinking, just as you're turning there, I was thinking this summer I, I got to travel with my family and, and we, we went out to California and we saw the sequoias and the redwoods. And one of the things that really stood out to me is something that you don't see offhand, but they grow in groves. These huge trees, I mean, just blow your mind if you've never seen one in person. But uh, if, you, if you talk to the park rangers, you do a little research, you, you begin to understand that those trees are only able to grow to that height because of what's beneath the surface. Number, uh, beneath the surface, number one, it's the soil. It's got to have good soil. But not only that, but they support each other. 
And as far as being here with you guys tonight, I look at y'all's church in the same way that I look at so many other awesome churches in our community, and that is, is that their roots all intertangle with each other, and they hold each other up when storms come. And I believe that you guys are our brothers, obviously, in the faith, and we stand with y'all, and we back with y'all in the same way that I feel. I know that that's the, the attitude and the heart of y'all's pastor, and we thank you for that. Hebrews chapter 12, are you ready? All right, at Life Church, I make everybody holler back. So, can y'all, are y'all ready? All right, here we go. I feel at home now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Hebrews 12 opens up talking about um, just get rid of everything that hinders. I, I have a verse and. I meant to get some hairspray just to illustrate this, but I forgot my hairspray. I told Paige a minute ago I forgot the hairspray because the Bible says that our life is but a vapor. And it's saying like, well, the way I read it is like, why would you waste any of your time? You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. The only spray she had was nose spray. So I didn't think that was appropriate to spray on stage tonight just so you could see the vapor in the cloud and how quickly it disappears. But as short as life is, if you're not realizing it by now, I mean, it's going by so quick. And the amount of time, the thing is, is that we can be a sweet smell or we can be, uh, I mean, you can be just like a dark cloud everywhere you go. You know that person that you see them coming and you want to run and hide because you know they're going to tell you everything that's negative and everything that's gone wrong in their life. And and with all that God has done for us and with the faith that we have, because Hebrews 12 is 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 talking about all of the people that have just been described in Hebrews 11, the, the, the heroes of the faith. And so many of them went on without ever seeing and without ever even knowing the gospel in its fullness that, the, that we have today. That Jesus came, he bled, he died, but he just didn't die. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he holds the keys today. And we have so much to celebrate I don't know about you, but I'm still changing. I don't have it together all yet. Um, at least if you ask my wife, I don't. But in all of this, God, I mean, there's so much to celebrate. But at the same time, uh, Jesus, one of his promises that I don't like so much is John 16, He says, I've told you these things so that in me, that's very important, by the way, so that in him you may have peace. Not in your own strength, not in your own bank account, not in your own degrees that you have, but so that in him you may have peace. Because there's one thing I know, nothing else holds like faith in Christ does. He's the rock. He is the only thing that you can hold on to that will never leave you, never fail you, he'll never forsake you. And it's something that's beautiful because you can't fully explain it. Some people call it coincidence, I call it God incidents. 
When I can't explain it, when I come to a place in my life where I don't know how I'm going to make it, I don't know what to do, I don't know what choice to make, and I pretty much can throw my hands up and give up and just pray, and somehow every single time up to this point with the hardships and the troubles in my life, God has always made a way. He makes a way when there seems to be no other way. So in this, he says, uh, he says so that in me you may have peace, because here's the great promise. In this world you will have trouble. Can anybody testify to Jesus that that promise is true yet? In this world, you will have trouble. But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So we know life is short. We know it's full of troubles. We know there's all sorts of things we could complain about. And Job, in uh, Job chapter 10, verse 1, he, he got so frustrated, it says he just gave free reign to his complaint. Just he just let it fly. He just let it rip. Now, some of you could probably look at your neighbor because they let it rip about work on the way to church tonight. Amen. So, sometimes I can be my own worst enemy because research and, and, and just in... I love when science backs up the word, when, when they're spending these tens of thousands of dollars at universities to do research only to back up what the word of God has been telling us all along. See anybody else? I mean, it just, it just makes me feel good. And the word tells us that there is a cost to complaining. There's a cost. It's just like, it's just like uh, eating desserts. It, it tastes so good in the moment, but later on, there's consequences. Is anybody with me? My daughter last night cracked me up, and this uh, is kind of a sidetrack maybe. I don't know. But uh, we'll see where it goes. Last night, uh, I got the sweet tooth on the way home, and I went to Walmart, and I didn't buy one ice cream dessert. I bought three different things. Come on, somebody. I ate one in the truck on the way home. Three is a good Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and then I, I got home, I kind of tried to hide it, but my, my oldest daughter, Emma, she saw it. And so when she was done with supper, I said, you can go get one. Go, go, go get something. So she goes and she takes it and she sits in the chair and she takes a few bites and she says, this hurts my teeth. She said, I don't want it. It's like, that's kind of weird, okay. I said, well, give it to your brother. It's almost bedtime. He needs some sugar. And within a few seconds, he's like, oh, I don't want this. I'm like, what is going on in this house? So it was like, it was brownie, like cake, uh, like a brownie sandwich with ice cream in the middle. Come on, I hadn't eaten supper yet. And so after they did whatever they were doing, I went and got one, and I took two bites. I looked at my wife. I said, this makes my teeth hurt. <laughs> it was the nastiest thing I've ever tasted in my life. So it, it's, my, my kids know uh, not to complain. They better not waste anything. So obviously she was trying to cover it up. It was just, it was hilarious to me. So from now on when I don't like something, I'm going to look at my wife and say, this, this food is making my teeth hurt. It's, it's not any good. But do you know that it says that the average person complains uh, 15 to 30 times a day? 15 to 30 times a day, and they also say that, uh, obviously, if you think about your conversation, that makes sense. Uh, about every 60 seconds of conversation, some kind of complaint will come up, and listen, I believe that that right there is, 
is it's like a bait of Satan. Can I say that? It's like a, a bait of Satan because the Bible tells us that, that uh, we should be grateful. Obviously, I've already stated the reasons. We have a resurrected Savior. We have Jesus. We have the whole list of heroes of faith. We know that God always works everything together for the good. Even when the enemy means it for evil, God has this crazy way. Even when we don't understand it, we can't see it, we can't conceive it, we can't comprehend it, but God does, and he ends up working out what felt like like the worst day of your life when you reflect on it later on when you put it into his hands because you don't know what to do with it he has this incredible way of always working it together for the good he is so awesome and and so it's just like so many other things it just feels good to complain but they also say that the more you complain the more your brain actually rewires itself to where you become just a negative person. It can be a great day, the sun can be shining, and you'll start complaining about the song that the birds are singing. It's like you can rewire your brain to just be negative, 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 negative all the time. And so the first thing you got to know is that complaining offends the heart of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to offend the heart of God. Listen to this. In Numbers chapter 11, Verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And, and, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. That does not sound like a place that I want to be. Also, complaining carries consequences. We know that that's why the, the Israelites, they spent all that time in the wilderness because even with all God had done for them, they began to open up their mouths and complain. Numbers chapter 14, verse 27, it says, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them as surely as I live. And then verse 30, it says, um, Not one of you will enter the land that I swore with uplifted hand to make your home. Not one of them was going to enter into the promised land. How many of you know that we have a promise still today? John 10, 10 says that the thief, Satan, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to bring you life. And Jesus, he, he just, he's a one-upper. He's like, whatever you can comprehend, no, it's better than that. More than you can ask, more than you can think, more than you can dream, more than you can imagine. That's Ephesians 3, 20. That's what the Bible says. He says that, um, Whatever you can, can conceive in your mind, I can do even better than that. He says, I came to bring you life and not just life, but life more abundantly. So if that's his promise, and we know that his, his power holds, he's seated, y'all. You don't sit down until you're finished. He is seated right now, according to the word of God. He's seated in heavenly realms it says he's seated far above all power, all dominion, all authority, anything that would evoke its name against the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's defeated it all. And then for God so loved you, he paid the price. So what do we have? The greatest weapon we have is our faith. 
our faith. No matter what comes against you, you can stand in the face of the hardest trials, hardest times, and hold on to the word of God. Why? Because we have the great cloud of witnesses. Why? Because we have the testimony of Jesus. Why? Because I, me, a lot of people that I know in here, there's people in here who are dear friends of mine who've, who have lost their life to drugs only to have it gained back plus life more abundantly because of the delivering power of Jesus Christ. These words are not just words on a book. These words are living and active and they're sharper than any two-edged sword they're able to deliver you but it starts with your mind and your mouth what you're saying listen here's one of those research things i was i was talking about this stanford university has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus in your brain now hippocampus you know i had to look that up it's not a university in your mind where the hippos go it's the part of your brain, shows right there that I've been complaining too much. Listen, so complaining shrinks this part of your brain. Are you ready to find out what it's for? The hippocampus is the area of the brain that is critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. What does that mean? The more you complain, the dumber you get. <laughs> Look at your neighbor right now and say, that's what's wrong with Myrtle. That's what's wrong. That explains so much. The next thing that complaining does is it releases a stress hormone called cortisol. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with cortisol. But let me tell you what cortisol does. Uh, I've, I've been through this. I, 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 I call myself driven. They said I was stressed. I was just worrying about so much. I was working so hard that, that your, your hormone levels get out and your whole body just starts. I had every symptom in the book. I was sure I was dying a few years ago. I mean, I cost my insurance uh, company so much money. That, praise God for good insurance. But they did every test. I was having chest pains. I had muscles twitching. I mean, cortisol will mess you up if you're in balance. And there again, it's God's word. It's God's word. It is true. It's living. It's active. If we'll open up our mouths and begin to praise God, even when it's dark, even when it doesn't feel good. You, you know what I'm saying? There's power in his word to deliver us. And so listen to it. It, uh, it, uh, it impairs your immune system if it's too high. And this is a natural thing that's supposed to trigger the fight, uh, fight or flight thing on the inside of you. But whenever you're just complaining all the time, when there's no reason to complain, it can have all sorts of ill effects. It makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. So, so what does this all boil down to? Complaining makes you dumber and fatter. I don't need either one of any, any more of either one of those two options in my life. Can I get an amen at that point right there? I don't need to be any dumber. I need all the help God can give me, and I need to quit eating all of the, uh, that nasty thing. We need, I'm going to make a donation to somebody tonight, some ice cream, brownie things I bought. Um, and here's what's also very interesting to me. They call it, it's like secondhand smoke, that we have a neuronal mirror, mirroring. Uh, what that means is, you, you know it, you can have a great day, you can get in the car with somebody who's in a bad mood, and what happens? You're in a bad mood. They suck the life out of you because we, we have this weird design to where whoever you're around, whatever you're around, if you're always around constantly complaining people, it's going to affect you in the same ways as if you were complaining yourself. 
So that means the things that you're watching on TV, the things you're listening to on the radio, come on, that could mean that some Fox News and some CNN and some every other news network and, and Rustin Rants is bad for your health. It will trigger you and it'll just mess you up. But you know what's not bad for your health? The Word of God. If you get in it and you begin to read that I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me, if you begin to read that he... I, I mean, it's just good. It's good. Amen. So listen to this. Because of that, I, I, I threw a few things down right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Because you know what I've learned? You can't avoid people. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, there isn't a job that doesn't have a place where you don't have to come into contact with somebody somewhere. Somebody at Popeye's is going to get your order wrong. You're not going to get your chicken sandwich. Something is going to happen. Do you understand? I guess I'm supposed to talk about Chick-fil-A since I see my friend in here tonight. They always get your order right. And... <laughs> Amen. To me, it's no debate. Isn't that right? It's no debate in the two sandwiches. Okay. Saw him sitting over there, and that came to my mind. Um, what was I saying? Take captive every thought and make it. Listen to me. This is the word of God. This isn't something where you can just say a prayer, and all of a sudden all your thoughts are going to be butterflies and rainbows. No, you have to actively pursue what God tells us to do. You have to take those thoughts, and you have to make them uh, obedient to Christ. I love, I heard it preached, I can't remember who the preacher was, but he talked about uh, how the word is sharper than a two-edged sword, right? So it's your weapon, and when these thoughts come, you use your weapon. Think about it, if somebody held you at spear point, you have to hold those thoughts at spear point. You have to literally take them captive, you have to bind them up, and you have to tell them to get out, and you have to replace them with the truth of the word of God. Amen? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make some of you skinnier and smarter tonight. Listen, 1 Timothy 6, 12, if it was easy, we wouldn't have that verse. It says, fight the good fight of faith. And then it goes on to describe the good fight of faith. It says, take hold. Take hold of it. What, if you're going to take hold of something, what are you going to do? You're going to grip it. Take hold of the eternal life to which you've professed in the presence of so many people. This thing that you've been talking about, how you've been coming to church, take hold of the eternal life. Fight the fight of faith. It's not going to come just on its own, but it's something that you have to pursue. If we're going to stop complaining, if we're going to stop griping, we have to realize it. Amen? I think I give you permission right now just to eyeball your neighbor that's complaining all the time. You might live with them. Just say, mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Just say, mm-hmm. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's a good message, isn't it? See, Psalm 34.1 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. We have to develop the attitude of gratitude. Listen, this same... Uh, I believe it was the same university, they did some study on people who started reflecting on all of the good things, and they began developing an attitude of gratitude, and I don't know where they got the number from, but it says that it reduced their stress hormone by 23%. I don't know how in the world they came up with 23%, but that's what it says. I would just say that they, they said that uh, it improved mood, energy, uh, and they were, had substantially less anxiety 
due to the lower cortisol in their life. And so how do we fix this? One of the first things that I think about is when, when Moses was leading the Israelites out of captivity, finally, you know, all the plagues, and they finally, Pharaoh finally lets the people go, and they come to the Red Sea. And there they were, and they looked behind them, and the enemy changed his mind once again. Anybody ever been in that spot? Changed his mind once again, coming after him, and they're freaking out. And he holds up the staff over the water. And the staff is a picture of the cross. It's a parallel from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's the weapon that we have today. We get to a place, nowhere to go in front of us. The enemy is still behind us. What are we going to do? Instead of complaining, instead of crying, instead of griping, we can look to Jesus and remind the devil that he is defeated. He's not just kind of defeated. He is completely powerless over our lives. Jesus holds all authority, and he loves you. Did I say that? Do you know that? He holds all authority, and he wants you to have life, and he loves you. So you can hold up the cross in the face of the enemy and remind the devil of the blood of Jesus that's been shed on the cross that none of your sins can be held against you any longer. They've all been defeated. As far as the east is from the west, yeah, your neighbor might remember the things you've done. You might remember some things that you've done. But when you ask God for forgiveness and he looks at you, all he sees is his son, Jesus Christ. you got to get that picture in your mind. See, Satan is the accuser. It says he's the accuser of the brethren day and night. He don't stop. He is relentless, but it doesn't matter because God is greater. Amen? The same power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Remember, the devil thought he won. Jesus is crucified. But wait a minute. The stone rolls away. Jesus comes back, and Jesus comes back and says, nobody took my life. I gave my life for my people. He has power and authority over your situation tonight, and by faith, it can move. I'm going to close with this story. Anybody ever heard of Naaman? 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, they had went on a raid, and they, they had... Uh, they had a young girl there who told her about how she needed to go see the prophet, how he could go see the prophet, or told Naaman's wife he could go see the prophet. There was a prophet there who could heal his disease. He had leprosy. And so Naaman goes to the king, and the king gives him permission and sends him with gold and silver. And so Naaman shows up, and he talks to the king there. And he, the king of Israel, he gets upset and he's like, who am I? Who does he think that I am? Is this some kind of trick? And the prophet hears about it and says, no, tell him to come on. Tell him to come on to where I'm at because God is going to do a work. And so Naaman shows up with his gold and his silver and everything that he's brought, the treasures that he's brought to give. And uh, he calls for the prophet to come and heal him. And instead of coming out and, and healing him the way that he had pictured it in his mind, Anybody ever got something in your mind that this is how it's going to go or this is how it should go? So he had it in his mind, and then you can read in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Naaman went away angry because he told him that he could go dip in the river. He says, I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the, the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure my leprosy. 
And then he starts complaining. He's like, the rivers I passed up were better than the river that you got here. Why in the world would you tell me to go dip in this river? And so I, I started thinking about this today. And here he was, he was complaining when healing was right there in front of him. And I know in my own life, sometimes I, I've, I can overlook the obvious. Like, does anybody in here realize that you're messed up? I'll be the first to put my hand up. Some of you may have to raise your neighbor's hand for them. And I would love to just come to your pastor, Chris, and say, pray for me, and it be done. But the truth is, is there's action on our part. There's action on our part. Come on, if you want to be whole, I love the story of the ten lepers. Ten lepers, Jesus tells them, go show themselves to the priests. They go. They're all healed, but only one returns to Jesus. And if you study the language there, the original language, the one who came back, it says he was made whole. He said, Jesus looks at him and says, wasn't there ten? Where are the other nine? But the one who returned and worshipped Jesus, he was made whole. In other words, I believe you can be saved by the grace and by the blood of Jesus Christ, but obviously you can still have some issues that he wants to deliver you from. Picture in the Old Testament. They were saved, they were delivered, they were free, but then they had to overcome themselves. Amen? They had to overcome themselves to ever enter into the promised land. Listen, there's a lot of Christians who can put on a good front and walk around and pretend that they've got it all together, but me, I'll be the first one to tell you, I need some more Jesus. But I can't overlook the Word of God if I want freedom. And so I'm going to give you a very simple thought just to kind of sum this thing up. It's this, Ephesians 4.29. You need to write it down, put it on your mirror, put it in all the stockings for Christmas. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Come on, preacher, I thought you were going to say a special prayer, wave your hand over the spot. Can you tell me to go dip in that? That's too easy, right? It was such an easy thing that Naaman needed to do, and finally they convinced him, and he went, and he was obedient. And when he was obedient, each time he dipped, he came up, until he came up the last time, and it said his skin was returned to that of a young boy. Come on, I know how life can wear on your attitude. Anybody with me? If you don't like people, spend some time with them. Come on. I know it doesn't happen here, but sometimes you'll, as a pastor, you'll get off the stage and you'll feel real good about your sermon and your message. And then you get hit 10 ways from Sunday with all the complaints. It makes you never want to talk to a person again. Okay, that's just one example. The other literal things that have been said and done to me by close friends, anybody ever had a close friend turn their back on you and then badmouth you? I mean, that makes you never want to trust anybody again. But if you look at your life and look at it as how the enemy has set up walls to try to keep you from being an effective believer, 
try to keep you from ever loving anybody again. Man, it's, it's easy to just begin to believe that this whole group of people or this whole group of people or everybody is this way. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Is that true or not? So don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And again, I'm going to close reading this verse, and then I'm going to pray. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Remember, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Why would we complain anymore? And let us run the race that's marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, not on the problem, not on what they said, not on what's going on over there. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. What is that? You're fixing your eyes on the finished work. You're fixing your eyes on the fact that Satan is defeated, that all he's got, even death, has lost its sting. By the way, everybody in here, we're all going to die one day unless Jesus comes back. But death has lost its sting. Come on. Ooh, I get excited. Throw it off. Look at your neighbor and say, throw it off. Maybe you just need to be more direct and say, quit complaining. Because that's what I'm talking about. Throw it off, everything that hinders and let us run. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Come on, I know, I know the devil is roaming about, 1 Peter 5, 8, he's roaming about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But that's why we've been given the helmet of salvation. That's why we've been given all of the weapons that we have. Amen? How many of you needed this tonight? Amen. Amen. Come on, can we pray right now? And then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Chris. Father God, I love you, Lord. There's so many of us in here who are susceptible. We see and we know that the enemy is trying to trip us up, get us off of our faith, get us off of our game. But God, tonight we redirect our eyes. Tonight, God, we're fixing our eyes back on Jesus. Oh, that name, the name that's above every other name, that name that he is the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's the God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask, think, dream, or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. We fix our eyes on Jesus. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, that he saved us and he has set us free. Lord, right now, we're, we're making a declaration that we're going to take every thought captive. We're going to develop the attitude of gratitude. Anytime anything tries to come against us, God, right now, we're making a decision that instead of complaining, we're going to turn our lips over to give praise to Jesus because whatever's coming against us in that moment has already been defeated and already been taken care of. Father, we love you you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.